chapter seven of the life of washington volume one by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seven new charter of massachusetts affairs of new york war with france schenectady destroyed expedition against port royal against quebec acadier recovered by france permaquid taken attempt on st john's peace affairs of new york of virginia disputes between england and france respecting boundary in america recommencement of hostilities quotas of the respective colonies treaty of neutrality between france and the five nations expedition against port royal incursion into massachusetts plan for the invasion of canada port royal taken expedition against quebec treaty of utrecht affairs of new york of carolina expedition against st augustine attempt to establish the episcopal church invasion of the colony bills of credit issued legislature continues itself massacre in north carolina by the indians tuscaroras defeated scheme of a bank sixteen eighty nine the revolution which placed the prince and princess of orange on the throne revived in massachusetts the hope of recovering the ancient charter elections were held by authority of the temporary government and the representatives requested the council to exercise until orders should be received from england the powers and authorities vested in that body by the charter the council acceded to this proposition and the ancient system was re-established it was soon perceived by the agents of massachusetts that the old charter would not be restored and that the king was determined to retain the appointment of the governor in his own hands the colony however was authorized to exercise the powers of government according to the ancient system until a new arrangement should be made the vessel by which these directions were transmitted carried also orders that sir edmund andros and those imprisoned with him should be sent to england the general court deputed additional agents with instructions to solicit the confirmation of their beloved charter but these solicitations were ineffectual sixteen ninety one new charter the king was inflexible and at length a new charter was framed introducing some changes which affected radically the independence that had been long practically possessed by the colony the governor was to be appointed by the crown was enabled to call adjourn prorogue and dissolve the assembly at pleasure he had the appointment solely of all military officers and with the consent of his council of all officers belonging to the courts of justice sixteen ninety two sir william phipps the first governor arrived in may and immediately issued writs for a general assembly which met in june and accepted the charter though a considerable party had been formed to oppose it this instrument annexed plymouth and nova scotia to massachusetts but contrary to the wishes of both colonies omitted new hampshire which became permanently a separate government affairs of new york in new york leisler who had obtained the entire control of the lower country associated with himself in the government a few trusty partisans denominated a committee of safety over whom he presided some of the principal inhabitants of the city dissatisfied at seeing a man of low birth without education in possession of supreme power 
retired to albany where a convention of the people was assembled to determine to hold the fort and country for the king and queen but not to submit to the authority of leisler on receiving intelligence of these transactions jacob milbourne was detached with a small force to reduce the place but finding that the people adhered to the convention and that his harangues against james and popery made no impression on them he returned to new york the next spring he appeared again before the fort and being favored by an eruption of the indians obtained possession of it the principal members of the convention absconded upon which their effects were seized and confiscated this harsh measure produced resentments which were transmitted from father to son leisler retained the supreme power without farther opposition until the arrival of sir henry slaughter who had been appointed governor of the province though informed of the commission which slaughter bore this infatuated man refused to yield the government to him and showed a disposition without the ability to resist this ill-judged obstinacy threw the governor who soon obtained possession of the fort into the arms of the opposite party leisler and milbourne were arrested tried for high treason condemned and executed their estates were confiscated but were afterwards restored to their families while these things were passing in the interior the colonies of new england and new york were engaged in a bloody and desolating war with the french of canada and with the indians the english people had long viewed with apprehension the advances of france towards universal dominion and with infinite disgust the influence of louis the fourteenth in their cabinet on the elevation of the prince of orange to the throne they entered with alacrity into all his views for opposing barriers to the power and restraints on the ambition of that haughty monarch war with france the war which was proclaimed between the two nations extended itself to their possessions in america de Caillet, who sailed from canada to france in sixteen eighty eight had formed a plan for the conquest of new york which was adopted by his government Caffiniere commanded the ships which sailed from rochefort on this expedition subject however to the count de frontignac who was general of the land forces destined to march from canada by the route of the river sorrel and of lake champlain the fleet and troops arrived at chibucta whence the count proceeded to quebec leaving orders with caffiniere to sail to new york on reaching quebec the count found all canada in the utmost distress in the preceding summer twelve hundred warriors of the five nations had suddenly landed on the island of montreal and put to death about one thousand of the inhabitants whom they found in perfect security the place was again attacked in october and the lower part of the island entirely destroyed in consequence of these calamitous events fort frontenac on lake ontario was evacuated and two vessels which had been constructed there were burnt count frontenac who in his sixty-eighth year possessed the activity of youth after remaining a few days on shore re-embarked in a canoe for montreal in the hope of conciliating the five nations he held a great council with them at onondago where the indians showed some disposition towards a peace without concluding one to influence their deliberations and raise the depressed spirits of the canadians he sent out several parties against the english colonies that against new york consisting of about two hundred french and some indians after marching twenty-two days with their provisions on their backs 
through a wilderness covered deep with snow arrived on eighth of february sixteen ninety about eleven at night at schenectady a village a few miles northwest of albany schenectady destroyed finding the gates open and unguarded they immediately entered the town the inhabitants of which were asleep and dividing themselves into small parties invested every house at the same time no alarm was given until the doors were broken open and then was commenced the perpetration of those barbarities which add so much to the ordinary horrors of war the whole village was instantly in flames pregnant women were ripped open and their infants cast into the flames or dashed against the posts of the doors sixty persons were massacred twenty-seven carried into captivity and those who escaped fled naked through a deep snow and storm to albany in the flight twenty-five lost their limbs from the intensity of the cold the town was pillaged until about noon the next day when the enemy marched off with their plunder being pursued by a party of young men from albany about twenty-five of them were killed and captured in the spring and summer of sixteen eighty nine several settlements and forts in new hampshire and maine were successfully attacked by the indians who wherever they were victorious perpetrated their usual cruelties expedition against port royal knowing that these depredations originated in canada and acadier the general court of massachusetts planned an expedition against both port royal and quebec early in the spring eight small vessels carrying seven or eight hundred men sailed under the command of sir william phipps and almost without opposition took possession of port royal and of the whole coast between that place and new england the fleet returned in may having taken nearly plunder enough to discharge the expense of the equipment but two detachments made about the same time by count frontenac attacked the simon falls and fort casco where they killed and took about one hundred and eighty persons pen seeking freedom for imprisoned friends the reference made in the panel inscription at the top of his picture is to william penn's imprisonment in the tower of london for publishing the sandy foundation shaken in which he attacked the doctrines of the trinity while in prison he wrote his most famous and popular book no cross no crown and innocency with her open face in vindication of his quaker faith in sixteen eighty one penn obtained from the british crown in lieu of a debt of sixteen thousand pounds due him as heir to his father admiral penn a grant of territory now comprising the state of pennsylvania there he founded philadelphia as a quaker colony in the following year a vessel had been dispatched to england in april with letters urging the importance of conquering canada and soliciting the aid of the king to that enterprise he was however too much occupied in europe to attend to america and it was determined to prosecute the expedition without his assistance against quebec new york and connecticut engaged to furnish a body of men to march by the way of lake champlain against montreal while the troops of massachusetts should proceed by sea to quebec the fleet consisting of between twenty and thirty vessels the largest of which carried forty-four guns sailed from nantucket the ninth of august having on board two thousand men this expedition also was commanded by sir william phipps a brave man but not qualified for so difficult an enterprise he did not arrive before quebec until october when it was too late for a regular siege instead of availing himself of the first impression sir william is charged with having wasted two or three days in sight of the place after which he summoned it to surrender having performed this ceremony he landed between twelve and thirteen hundred men and marched until night under a scattering fire from an enemy concealed in the woods at night a deserter gave such an account of the french force as entirely discouraged him 
connecticut and new york were disappointed in receiving the assistance expected from the five nations who furnished neither the warriors they had promised nor canoes to transport their troops over the lakes the commissary too had neglected to lay up the necessary supplies of provisions these disappointments obliged the party destined against montreal to retreat without making an attempt on that place which enabled the french general to oppose the whole force of canada to phipps the evening after the troops were landed the ships were drawn up before the place but received more damage from the batteries than they could do to the town after wasting a few days in unavailing parade the army re-embarked with precipitation and returned to boston the general court so far from suspecting that the expedition might possibly miscarry seemed to have counted not only on its success but on acquiring sufficient treasure from the enemy to pay their soldiers the army finding the government totally unprepared to satisfy its claims was on the point of mutinying in this state of difficulty bills of credit were issued and were received in lieu of money a tax was imposed at the same time payable in the paper notes of the colony at five per centum above par notwithstanding the exertions to keep up its credit the paper depreciated to fourteen shillings in the pound which depreciation was almost entirely sustained by the army as the time for collecting the tax approached the paper rose above par but this appreciation was gained by the holders colonel phipps soon after his return from canada embarked for england to renew the solicitations of the colony for aid in another attempt on quebec though unsuccessful in this application the government of the province was bestowed on him and in this character he returned to boston a desultory war continued to be carried on which without furnishing any events that would now be interesting produced heavy expense and much individual misery sixteen ninety three canada being considered as the source of all these evils its conquest continued to be the favorite object of massachusetts at length king william yielded to the solicitations of that colony and determined to employ a force for the reduction of quebec unfortunately the first part of the plan was to be executed in the west indies where the capture of martinique was contemplated while on that service a contagious fever attacked both the land and sea forces and before they reached boston thirteen hundred sailors and eighteen hundred soldiers were buried the survivors not being in a condition to prosecute the enterprise it was abandoned on the conquest of acadie by sir william phipps the government of massachusetts had been extended over that province but as the prejudices and affections of the inhabitants were entirely on the side of france it was soon perceived that a military force alone could preserve the acquisition and massachusetts was unable at her own expense to support a sufficient body of troops for the defense of the country sixteen ninety six port royal was recovered by Villabun after which all acadei shook off the government of massachusetts and resumed its allegiance to france about the same time a fort at permaquid was attacked and carried by iberville peace in december the treaty of peace which had been concluded at ryswick was proclaimed at boston and hostilities with the french in canada immediately ceased the depredations of the indians continued only a short time after this event and in the course of the following year general tranquillity was restored sixteen ninety seven the frontiers of new hampshire had been not less exposed during the war than those of massachusetts perpetual and distressing incursions had been made into the country which were marked by the burning of undefended habitations and the massacre of men women and children 
affairs of new york the frontiers of new york were covered by the five nations hostilities were carried on between them and the french but they were not attended by any material circumstance during the war the english government meditated a union of the colonies for the purpose of forming an army to defend new york and the governors were instructed to propose to the several provinces to raise the quota of troops assigned to each by the crown though this plan never took effect the fact is of some interest the influence of the french not yet extending far enough south to involve the colonies beyond new york in the calamities of indian warfare few occurrences took place among them which deserve attention of virginia in virginia the college of william and mary to which a charter had been granted in sixteen ninety two was liberally endowed and was established at williamsburg by an act of assembly which passed in the year sixteen ninety three in sixteen ninety eight the state house at jamestown with many valuable papers was consumed by fire and in the following year the legislature passed an act for removing the seat of government to williamsburg then called the middle plantation and for building a capital at that place by the treaty of wiswick it was agreed that france and england should mutually restore to each other all conquests made during the war and it was farther stipulated that commissioners should be appointed to examine and determine the rights and pretensions of each monarch to the places situated in hudson's bay the consequences of not ascertaining boundaries were soon perceived the english claimed as far west as the st croix while france asserted her right to the whole country east of the kennebec war renewed these claims remained unsettled and were mingled with other differences of more importance which soon occasioned the recommencement of hostilities seventeen o two the whole weight of the war in america fell on new england previous to its commencement the earl of bellamont who was at that time governor of new york as well as of massachusetts and of new hampshire had required that the quotas of men assigned by the crown to the different colonies for the defence of new york should be furnished this requisition however was not complied with and before hostilities began a treaty of neutrality was negotiated between the five nations and the governor of canada which was assented to by lord cornbury then governor of new york this treaty preserved the peace of that province but left massachusetts and new hampshire to struggle with the combined force of the french and their indian allies a struggle which seems to have been viewed by new york with the utmost composure hostilities between great britain and france were immediately followed by incursions of french and indians into the exposed parts of new england a predatory and desolating war attended with no striking circumstance but with considerable expense and great individual distress was carried on for some years during its continuance propositions were made for a cessation of hostilities and the negotiations on this subject were protracted to a considerable length but dudley who had succeeded the earl of bellamont as governor of massachusetts and new hampshire declined engaging for the neutrality of those provinces in the hope that nova scotia and canada might be subdued in the course of the war seventeen o seven the battle of almanza in spain having induced the british cabinet to direct an armament intended for new england to european objects dudley determined to make an attempt on Acadie, though no aid should arrive from england with this view he applied early in the spring to the assemblies of both his provinces and to the colonies of connecticut and rhode island requesting them to raise one thousand men for the expedition 
connecticut declined furnishing her quota but the other three colonies raised the whole number who were disposed into two regiments one commanded by colonel wainwright and the other by colonel hilton on the thirteenth of may they embarked at nantucket on board a fleet of transports furnished with whaleboats under convoy of a man-of-war and a galley the chief command was given to colonel march who had behaved gallantly in several encounters with the indians but had never been engaged in such service as this they arrived before port royal in a few days and landed without opposition after making some ineffectual attempts to bombard the fort a disagreement among the officers and a misapprehension of the state of the fort and garrison induced the troops to re-embark in a disorderly manner dudley who was unwilling to relinquish the enterprise directed the army to remain in its position till farther orders march was beloved by the soldiers and was known to be brave but his capacity was doubted it was therefore thought unsafe either to recall him to place an officer over him or to continue him in the chief command the expedient devised in this perplexity was to send a commission to the army composed of three members of the council invested with all the powers which the governor himself if present would possess these commissioners arrived at casco about the middle of july where they found the army insubordinate and indisposed to the service the troops however were again embarked and arrived at passamaquoddy on the seventh of august the spirits of the general were broken and his health was impaired while dispositions for landing the army were making he declared his inability to act and the command devolved on colonel wainwright the landing was effected on the tenth of august but the troops could not be inspired with that union and firmness which are essential to success after devoting ten days to inefficient unmeaning operations they re-embarked and returned sickly fatigued and dispirited seventeen o eight during this unfortunate expedition the frontiers were kept in perpetual alarm by small parties of indians and in the succeeding year a formidable armament was destined by vaudreuil the governor of canada against new england this enterprise was not fully prosecuted in consequence of the failure of several indian tribes to furnish the number of warriors expected from them incursion into massachusetts a considerable force however penetrated into massachusetts and burnt a part of the town of haverhill where about one hundred persons were killed and many others carried off as prisoners these invaders were pursued and overtaken by a body of troops collected in the neighborhood who killed a few of them and recovered several of their own countrymen the new england colonies still attributing all these calamities to the french were earnest in their solicitations to the crown for aids which might enable them to conquer canada their application was supported by the representations of francis nicholson who had been lieutenant-governor first of new york and afterward of virginia of samuel vietch a trader to nova scotia and of colonel schuyler a gentleman of great influence in new york who undertook a voyage to england for the purpose of communicating his sentiments more fully to administration and carried with him resolutions of the assembly expressing the high opinion that body entertained of his merit influenced by these representations the british cabinet determined to undertake an expedition against the french settlements on the continent of north america and on newfoundland to consist of a squadron having on board five regiments of regular troops seventeen o nine which were to be at boston by the middle of may seventeen o nine where they were to be joined by twelve hundred men to be raised in massachusetts and rhode island fifteen hundred men also were to be raised in the governments south of rhode island 
who should proceed by the way of lake champlain against montreal all the colonies except pennsylvania executed with punctuality the part assigned to them nicholson who was appointed to command the troops destined against montreal marched to wood creek where he was ordered to continue until the arrival of the forces from europe that the two armies might cooperate with each other the new england troops who had been assembled at boston remained at that place till september expecting the arrival of the fleet and army from england about that time nicholson returned from wood creek and it was obviously too late to proceed against quebec a meeting of the commanding officers and governors of provinces was requested in order to deliberate on further operations a few days before this meeting was to take place a ship arrived from england with the intelligence that the armament intended for america had been ordered to portugal and with directions to hold a council of war in order to determine on the propriety of employing the troops raised in america against port royal in which event the ships of war then at boston were to aid the expedition the commanders of the ships except captain afterwards admiral matthews refused to engage in this service and it being unsafe to proceed without convoy the men were disbanded a congress composed of governors and of delegates from several of the assemblies met at rhode island and recommended the appointment of agents to assist colonel nicholson in representing the state of the country to the queen and soliciting troops for an expedition against canada the next spring government seems at first to have thought favorably of this proposal but finally determined to proceed only against port royal seventeen ten five frigates and a bomb ketch which were assigned for this service arrived with nicholson in july although the troops were then to be raised the whole armament consisting of one regiment of marines and four regiments of infantry sailed from boston the eighteenth of september and on the twenty fourth arrived before port royal the place was immediately invested and after the exchange of a few shot and shells was surrendered Vietch was appointed governor and its name in compliment to the queen was changed to annapolis after the reduction of port royal nicholson returned to england to renew the often repeated solicitations for an expedition against canada the ministry was now changed and the colonists despaired of obtaining from those in power any aids against the french contrary to the general expectation his application succeeded seventeen eleven and he arrived at boston in june with orders to the governors as far south as pennsylvania to get their quotas of men and provisions in readiness to act with the fleet and army expected from europe within sixteen days while the several governors were yet deliberating on the subject of these orders the fleet arrived the service according perfectly with the wishes of the people as well as of the governors every practical exertion was made and difficulties were overcome which on other occasions might have been deemed insurmountable to supply the money which the english treasury could not then advance the general court of massachusetts issued bills of credit to the amount of forty thousand pounds and the example was followed by connecticut new york and new jersey provisions were obtained by impressment the army consisted of seven veteran regiments who had served under the duke of marlborough one regiment of marines and two regiments of provincials amounting in the whole to six thousand five hundred men a force equal to that which afterwards reduced quebec when in a much better state of defence this armament sailed from boston on the thirtieth of july their sanguine hopes were all blasted in one fatal night on the twenty third of august in the river st lawrence the weather being thick and dark eight transports were wrecked on egg island near the north shore and one thousand persons perished 
the next day the fleet put back and was eight days beating down the river against an easterly wind which in two would have carried it to quebec after holding a fruitless consultation respecting an attempt on placentia the expedition was abandoned and the squadron sailed for england loud complaints were made and heavy charges reciprocated on this occasion the ignorance of the pilots the obstinacy of the admiral the detention of the fleet at boston its late arrival there the want of seasonable orders and the secret intentions of the ministry were all subjects of bitter altercation but no regular inquiry was ever made into the causes of the miscarriage the plan of this campaign embraced also an attack on montreal four thousand men raised in connecticut new york and new jersey and commanded by colonel nicholson marched against that place by the way of albany and lake champlain the failure of the expedition against quebec enabling the governor of canada to turn his whole force towards the lakes nicholson was under the necessity of making a precipitate retreat peace no other event of importance took place during this war which was terminated by the treaty of utrecht by the twelfth article of this treaty france ceded to england all nova scotia or acadie with its ancient boundaries and as also the city of port royal now called annapolis royal and all other things in those parts which depend on the said lands this territory which had been comprehended in the grant made to the plymouth company was with the consent of that company afterwards granted by james as king of scotland under the name of nova scotia to sir william alexander affairs of new york in new york the leislerian and anti-leislerian parties continued to persecute each other to this calamity was added in the year seventeen o two the still heavier affliction of a malignant fever imported in a vessel from the west indies which in almost every instance proved mortal a similar disease raged about the same time in several other seaport towns and was probably the same which has since produced such fatal effects under the name of the yellow fever in the same year lord cornbury a needy and profligate nobleman was appointed governor of the province he embraced the anti-leislerian party that being then the strongest on meeting the assembly he urged the necessity of providing money for the public exigencies and as he had arranged himself with the ruling party the vote of supply was liberal it was soon perceived that the confidence in the governor was misplaced considerable sums levied for objects of great interest were applied to his private use the system adopted in new york for collecting and keeping public money was calculated to favor this peculation the colony having no treasure its revenue came into the hands of the receiver-general for the crown whence it was drawn by a warrant from the governor contests soon arose between his lordship and the legislature on the subject of money the house requiring a statement of disbursements and the appointment of a treasurer to be controlled by them at length in seventeen o six an act was passed raising three thousand pounds for fortifications and directing the money to be placed in the hands of a person named by the legislature the assent of the governor to this act was not given till the succeeding year and was then accompanied with a message stating that he had it in command from the queen to permit the general assembly to name their own treasurer when they raised extraordinary supplies for particular uses and which are no part of the standing and constant revenue the continual demands of the governor for money his misapplication of it his extortion in the form of fees and his haughty tyrannical conduct increased the irritation subsisting between him and the legislature at length the queen yielded to the complaints of both new york and new jersey and consented to recall him during these altercations some spirited resolutions were entered into by the assembly one of which claims particular notice it is in these words resolved that the imposing and levying of any monies upon her majesty's subjects in this colony 
under any pretense or color whatsoever without their consent in general assembly is a grievance and violation of the people's property this strong assertion of a principle which afterwards dismembered the british empire then passed away without notice it was probably understood to be directed only against the assumption of that power by the governor in carolina the vexatious contests with the proprietors still continued the public attention was for a time diverted from these by hostilities with their neighbors of florida seventeen o two before the declaration of war made against france and spain had been officially communicated it was reported in the colonies that this event had taken place and mr moore the governor of the southern settlements proposed to the assembly an expedition against st augustine temperate men were opposed to this enterprise but the assurances of the governor that florida would be an easy conquest and that immense treasure would be the reward of their valor were too seductive to be resisted a great majority of the assembly declared in favor of the expedition and voted the sum of two thousand pounds sterling for its prosecution six hundred militia were embodied for the service and an equal number of indians engaged as auxiliaries expedition against st augustine in the plan of operations which had been concerted colonel daniel was to move by the inland passage with a party of militia and indians and attack the town by land while the governor with the main body should proceed by sea and block up the harbor colonel daniel executed his part of the plan with promptitude and vigor he advanced against the town which he entered and plundered before the governor reached the harbor the spaniards however had been apprised of the preparations making at charleston and had laid up provisions for four months in the castle into which they retired as daniel entered the town on the arrival of the governor the place was completely invested but it being impossible to carry the castle without battering artillery colonel daniel was dispatched to jamaica for cannon bombs and mortars during his absence two small spanish vessels of war were seen off the mouth of the harbor upon which the governor raised the siege abandoned his transports and made a precipitate retreat to carolina colonel daniel returned soon afterwards and having no suspicion that the siege was raised stood in for the harbor he fortunately discovered his situation in time to escape though with much difficulty this rash and ill-conducted expedition entailed on the colony a debt of six thousand pounds sterling the ignominy attached to it was soon wiped off by one that was attended with better success the Appalachian indians who were attached to the spaniards had become extremely troublesome to the inhabitants of the frontiers the governor at the head of a body of militia and friendly indians marched into the heart of their settlements laid their towns in ashes made several prisoners and compelled them to sue for peace and submit to the british government governor johnson soon after this transaction sir nathaniel governor johnson who had been appointed to succeed mr moore arrived in charleston he endeavored but ineffectually to turn the attention of the colonists to the culture of silk this article as well as cotton was neglected and rice became the great staple of the country attempt to establish the episcopal church during his administration the contest between the proprietors and the people increased an attempt to establish the episcopal church was added to other pre-existing causes of discord the colony having been settled by emigrants from different nations of different religious persuasions the indiscreet endeavor to produce uniformity could not fail to increase their irritation the influence of the governor in the legislature obtained the passage of such acts as were necessary for his purpose but many petitions against them were laid before parliament and the house of lords presented so decisive an address to her majesty on the subject that a writ of quo warranto against the charter was directed 
this measure however was not put in execution and the attention of the colonists was diverted for a time from these intestine broils by the appearance of danger from abroad seventeen o four spain claimed the whole country as part of florida and was preparing an expedition to enforce this claim governor johnson who had acquired some military skill in european service having received intelligence of these preparations made great exertions to fortify the entrance into the harbor of charleston and to put the province in a state of defense there was reason to rejoice that these precautions were used for although no armament arrived from europe yet an expedition planned in the havana was carried into execution colony invaded a french frigate and four armed spanish sloops commanded by m le Fabour, sailed for charleston with orders to touch at st augustine for men his force is said to have amounted to about eight hundred a government cruiser described this squadron off the bar of st augustine and brought the intelligence to charleston scarcely had the captain delivered his information when signals from sullivan's island announced its appearance off the coast the alarm was immediately given and the militia of the town were under arms in the evening the fleet reached charleston bar but deferred attempting to pass it until the morning after consuming a day in sounding the south bar the spanish flotilla crossed it and anchored above sullivan's island the governor then directed some pieces of heavy artillery to be placed in the vessels in the harbor and gave the command of them to william rett a summons to surrender being rejected a party of the enemy landed on james island and burnt a few houses another party consisting of one hundred and sixty men landed about the same time on the opposite side of the river both these were attacked and defeated encouraged by this success johnson determined to attack the invaders by sea in execution of this determination rett with six small vessels proceeded down the river to the place where the hostile flotilla rode at anchor which at his approach precipitately recrossed the bar for some days it was believed that the enterprise was abandoned but while the inhabitants were rejoicing at their deliverance advice was received that a ship of force had been seen in seawee bay and had landed a number of men on examining his prisoners the governor was informed that the enemy had expected a ship of war with a reinforcement of two hundred men under the command of m arbousset taking his measures with the promptness of an experienced officer he ordered captain fenwick to pass the river and march against the detachment which had landed while rett with two small armed vessels sailed round by sea with orders to meet the ship in seawee bay fenwick came up with the party on shore charged them briskly and drove them to their ship which on the appearance of rett surrendered without firing his shot the prize with about ninety prisoners was brought up to charleston thus was terminated with the loss of near three hundred men killed and prisoners among the latter of whom were the general and some naval officers the invasion of carolina by m le Fibourg. it seems to have been undertaken in the confidence that the colony was too weak for resistance and was conducted without skill or courage bills of credit to defray the expenses incurred in repelling this invasion bills of credit to the amount of eight thousand pounds were issued the effect of this emission was such a depreciation of the currency under the form of a rise in the price of commodities and of exchange that one hundred and fifty pounds in paper were given for one hundred pounds sterling seventeen o seven lord granville the palatine a bigoted churchman under whose influence violent measures had been taken for the establishment of religious conformity in carolina died in the year seventeen o seven he was succeeded by lord craven who though of the same religious tenets supported them with moderation his disposition to indulge and thereby mollify the dissenters was considered by the zealots of the established church as endangering religion 
and the legislature which was elected under the influence of the late palatine and of his governor dreading a change in the administration seventeen o eight legislature continues itself adopted the extraordinary measure of continuing itself for two years and for the time in a term of eighteen months after the change of government whether by the death of the present governor or the succession of another in his time thus adding one other humiliating proof to those which perpetually occur that principles are deplorably weak when opposed by the passions seventeen twelve massacre in north carolina by the indians in the year seventeen twelve the indians of north carolina alarmed as their countrymen had been in the other colonies by the increasing population and regular encroachments of the whites formed with their accustomed secrecy the plan of exterminating in one night these formidable neighbors no indication of their design was given until they broke into the houses of the planters the slaughter on roanoke was immense in that settlement alone one hundred and thirty-seven persons were murdered a few escaped by concealing themselves in the woods who the next day gave the alarm the remaining whites were collected together in a place of safety and guarded by the militia until assistance could be received from south carolina this was prompt and effectual the assembly at charleston voted four thousand pounds for the service and colonel barnwell was detached with six hundred militia and three hundred and sixty indians to the relief of the afflicted north carolinians with the utmost celerity he passed through the difficult and dangerous wilderness which then separated the northern from the southern settlements indians defeated and attacking the savages with unexpected fury killed three hundred of them and made one hundred prisoners the survivors retreated to the tuscarora town and took refuge within a wooden breastwork in which they were surrounded by the whites after sustaining considerable loss they sued for peace and obtained it but soon afterwards abandoned their country and united themselves with the iroquois or five nations the expense of this expedition greatly transcended the scanty means of south carolina to supply the exigencies of government and to promote the convenience of commerce the legislature determined to issue forty eight thousand pounds in bills of credit to be denominated bank bills this money was to be lent out at interest on security and to be redeemed gradually by the annual payment of one twelfth part of the sum loaned the bills were made a legal tender and the creditor who should refuse them lost his debt after the emission of these bills exchange rose the first year to one hundred and fifty and in the second to two hundred per centum above par the effect of this depreciation of the tender laws which accompanied it on creditors and on morals was obvious and certain End of chapter seven